Well, hello, my friends. Jason Jimenez here. So glad to be with you guys here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. As you start a new year, I just pray God is encouraging you and that you're more confident and more hopeful with what God has in store for you than the previous year. And I have some good news for you. As we start a new year, we also start a new study in the Bible. We're now going to be looking at the book of James, and we'll be going through it verse by verse. So I pray that each week you'll join me as we explore this powerful little book of wisdom. And as we do, there's going to be a question that we're going to continue to come back to. And so I want to pose it right here, right now, before we dive into James chapter one. And the question is this, how mature is your faith? In essence, how would you describe your faith? What does your faith look like Or better yet, where do you want your faith to go? And how are you going to get there? Well, you know what, my friends? That's what we're going to be finding out as we study these five chapters in the book of James. So whatever you're doing, whatever's going on in your life right now, will you pause and will you join me as we study the book of James? Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. So I'm so glad that you guys are joining me as we look at this uh, great book. As I've just, I just got to tell you, I'm just so thrilled and I'm so excited uh, to be going through this book with you. I've been spending uh, the last few months looking at this uh, book and, and praying through it and studying it. Matter of fact, my wife and I, with some of our uh, older two kids, with their friends, we've kind of gone through this book with some other families and just seeing God really speak to different uh, people of different walks of life. And it's just been amazing to see that. And, we, and the amazing thing was, because we're going in chronological order, we were already planning on studying the book of James here on the podcast. And so for the last few months, it's been just a, a time that God has really challenged my faith. You know, 2020 was a very difficult year. I lost a brother to cancer. I lost a dear friend who committed suicide in the summer of 2020. Of course, like you guys, pan, the pandemic hit and caused a lot of, you know, uh, uncertainty, a lot of fear. A lot of people got sick. Some people died, unfortunately. Sadly, to COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs. And I've had a lot of conversations with people as well who struggled through COVID, the loneliness, the despair. And again, a lot of things that they just, we just don't know what's, what tomorrow's going to bring. It's been a lot of division politically, to say the least. And so it's been a troubling year, but I pray that in the midst of it, it God has refined you. And that's in essence what we're going to be covering in the book of James. And as I said in the opening, looking at the question, how mature is your faith, is not just something that we deal with on a theoretical sense, but realistically that you would examine, as the Bible tells us to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine yourself as to whether or not you're in the faith. And that means take a spiritual inventory, just like you would do if you would look at your bank account, see how much money is in there, or look at some investments or you look at a certain project and see how much work has been done and how much work is still needed to complete it. That's what we need to be doing in our own lives. Or when you open up the fridge and you survey the produce 
in the containers in there and you're looking at the expiration date and the things that are old that are getting rotten or a little smelly don't taste as good as they once did you toss it out and that's what in essence my friends what we have to do as christians and that's far more important than taking our car in to get it serviced or throwing out you know some bad apples we have to take a self you know self-examination a self-inventory of where we're at and so that's what we're hopefully going to accomplish as we study the book of james you know when you look at life and you look at the decisions and the choices that come with life maybe currently right now you look at the number of decisions that you have to be making in the next few weeks or major choices about moving or where your kids go off to college or how your marriage is or how you need to parent a difficult child or how to you know walk into a challenging conversation with someone at church I mean, the list goes on, doesn't it? So when you survey the relationships you have right now, from family members to close friends, what kind of problems are they going through? What kind of problems are you going through with them? What kind of wisdom are you giving them? How are you discerning between what is right and wrong? How are you, how are you enduring, enduring through a particular trial in your life? In essence, my friends, we all need to be wiser not like being a wise guy, like a pain in the neck kind of person, but how can you and I be wiser in life? And the thing is, when we are wiser in life, our life is more honorable to the Lord because we are seeking his will to be done in our lives. So my friends, when, when we ask the question, how mature is my faith? In essence, we're asking, how wise am I? in knowing and living out the will of God for my life. So as we dive into James chapter one, we're gonna be looking at the first aspect of how we can mature in our faith and that's going through trials. It's not just going through them like you know a certain period of time in a calendar, like it lasts for three weeks and okay, I got through it. We're talking about enduring through it, learning from it, being refined by a particular thing that you face with that's gonna challenge your faith it's going to challenge you to depend on God. So as we look at that in verses one through four, I do want to give you an overview and lay out the purpose and the key areas of this particular book. So the first thing that we have to understand when we're studying any book of the Bible is it is to understand the background. When was it written? Who was it written to? What kind of language? The purpose? What's his message? All that kind of stuff is very important to understand the language gap, the geographical gap, the cultural gap. And I talk about this in one of my books called Stand Strong in Your Faith. And there's a chapter there about how to study the Bible. And I, and I give some good pointers that uh, hopefully you can take advantage of that. But when you look at the, the book of James, you, you notice very quickly that this actually is before the gospels come out, you know, the gospel of Mark being the first, in, in early to mid 50s, the book of Galatians comes after this letter. So within a span of less than a year, Paul actually writes his first letter, but it follows the letter that James is writing to the scattered churches that we're gonna see in a minute. So this is about 8049, no later than 8050. Now, as I mentioned, James, of course, is the half brother of Jesus. 
He's mentioned in Acts chapter 15, verse 13, Acts chapter 21, verse 18. He's also mentioned in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 through 56, and also Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Now, James, it's also important to understand that he was not a believer of his brother from the very moment his brother was claiming to be the Messiah. He actually was a skeptic. Matter of fact, if you look at John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, you'll see there that James clearly was not believing in the affairs of what his brother was doing. Now, Paul, in his letter, again, another early letter that was written in the mid-50s, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15, verse 7, he actually mentions that Jesus, post-resurrection, at some point had met up with his brother. So James has a visitation of his half-brother in his post-resurrected body. And so either leading up to that particular appearance of Jesus to his brother, right at that event or shortly thereafter, James becomes a believer. And not only that, but he becomes an eventual leader in the Jerusalem church, according to Acts chapter 15. So he becomes a believer to becoming a Christian leader in the early church. He is also in, again, the second letter that comes out to the early church being Galatians, written by Paul the Apostle. He says in his letter in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, that James is referred to as a pillar. So he's a believer, he's a leader, but he's also a pillar. He's a great example to all the followers of, of Jesus Christ. Now, tradition states that James was taken from the temple later in roughly about 8062. So he was there in the temple. He was taken and he was beaten to death by clubs. And that's how he dies. So that's what tradition says. Now, the purpose of this letter, we're told immediately that James was writing to the scattered Jewish churches and he wants to talk to them about what genuine faith really looks like. Isn't that important? If you think about it, even today with all the stuff that we have and have the inspired word of God, remember the early church back then didn't have much, but even then it's so important even still to this day, looking at the genuineness, the authenticity of what faith is. Now the New King James Version Chronological Study Bible notes that the letter of James was written to encourage Christians who were suffering. The opening prologue summarizes the appropriate response to their trials, responses which the rest of the letter discusses, wisdom in James chapter one, verse five, faith in chapter one, six through eight, and endurance in chapter one, verses nine through 11. Now the letter also describes tensions between the rich and the poor the wealthy are arrogant against the poor in chapter two, verses one through four, and even repress them in verses six and seven of chapter two and withhold their wages in chapter five, verse four. Yet the poor are advised not to retaliate with violence indeed, chapter four, verses one and two, or perhaps more tempting in words, James four, verse 11 and chapter five, verse nine, end quote. So again, that kind of gives us the under, you know, a, a better understanding of why James 
felt the need through the Holy Spirit to write this little letter. Now, the key areas, as kind of I was mentioning in the Chronological Study Bible, that James highlights in this letter, number one, and we'll be talking about it today, how to endure through trials, meaning not, not giving up, but being not just persistent, but persevering. We'll also be looking at how to bear fruit as a Christian. Because again, if we're looking at the genuineness of faith, faith is not dead. Faith in conjunction with works, not that you're saved by good works, you're saved for good works. God saved us so we could be zealous to do the calling, to fulfill the calling that is, uh, that he has purposed us to do. So we are to bear fruit. We'll be looking at that. We are to tame the tongue. We are to remain humble. We are to overcome temptations and we are to pray fervently. So those are key areas of this letter that we'll be exploring in the next few months. And finally, I want to share with you the key verse that is the thesis of this letter. And we'll be exploring it here on the podcast today, but let me just read it to you. It's found in verses two and three of chapter one, where James famously said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. So that is the key uh, verse of this entire letter. So let's now dive into the book of James here and see what verse one has to say in the opening of the letter. So it says here in James chapter one, verse one, James, a servant, the Greek is doulos, which means bond servant, which means one who belongs to a master. So when he says a servant of God, he belongs to God. His identity is found in the Lord Jesus Christ here. Then he says to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, that's the diaspora, which literally means the scattered. So immediately here, the 12 tribes in the dispersion, James is writing to these scattered Christian Jews who represent various different nations. So they don't all just come from Israel. These are scattered uh, Christian Jews from all over. And notice he refers to them even more specifically, not just as, you know, the Jews that are messianic in nature. That terminology didn't, didn't, didn't uh, exist just yet, but he refers to them as the 12 tribes. And he does this because he's depicting, and this is important, the fullness and the completeness of Israel. James, who's a Jew, who we would refer today again as a messianic Jew, right? He is not undermining his people now because many of them are followers of Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. He is honoring his people and recognizing that, that is, there's work still to be done among the Israelites. But it also captures the unity of the Jews. See, oftentimes we see that the Jews rejected Jesus and had him crucified under Roman law. And that's certainly true. But at the same time, we have to understand that there were many Jews, you guys, who embraced Jesus as their Messiah. And so he was showing the unity that is among the Jewish people. 
because of their belief, because of their faith in Christ. So this term here, scattered, it literally means scattering of seeds. And so James, he's referring to the scattered Jews as 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 brethren, as as brothers in the flesh who who have been enduring some hardship as, you know, hence the why they have been broken apart, if you will. But they're brothers in the Lord. And that's that this is a phrase that he uses over 19 times in this letter, which tells us again that his audience are these scattered Jews. Now, the other thing that's that's important to understand is to uh, realize why they're spread out like this, like seeds being tossed out there. And one of the things when you go back and we just finished this study, remember we looked at the book of Acts. If you go back to Acts chapter seven, the scattered Jews could possibly be the ones who were driven out of Jerusalem, if you remember this, after what? After the martyrdom of who? Stephen. If you go back to Acts chapter eight, verse one, after remember Stephen was publicly martyred, he was stoned to death. In Acts eight, one, it says, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So that's an indication that we can get from uh, scripture that after Stephen was persecuted, I believe demonic warfare was breaking out to where people that supported Stephen, people who were serving God, they were under attack. And so many of them had to flee. Uh, otherwise, they would have been killed. So now let's dive into the second aspect here in verses two and four of the letter and see how we as a Christian can endure uh, trials in our life. So notice again in verse two here, count. That literally means to consider, evaluate, or, or you know, um, look at the expanse of the joy that you have. Because it says here, the joy is Sharon, which means the reason for gladness. So stop and consider all the reasons why you should be glad in your life. So no matter what's going on right now, and this is a very great exercise for all of us to do, to pause and just say, look at how faithful and how good God is. Don't keep looking at things of the past or things in the world. Count it joy. What are you glad about? He's saying here, when you meet trials, so now he's getting specific. It's not just in general now. Now, as we get to layers of what James is writing about, he says, no, you're to be glad when you meet trials. The phrase here literally means in Greek, breaks peace and comfort. But you're thinking, why would, it be, why would we be glad or joyful about peace being stripped and broken and comfort being taken from us? And notice he says of various kinds. So they, they come in all shapes and sizes. Verse three, for you know that the testing, the Greek word here is doikoimian. It means that you know that the approval or the genuineness of your faith produces or literally creates steadfastness. Now, again, this word steadfastness, it carries the idea of tenacity. 
it literally means to stand up against something that is difficult. Literally, it also captures the understanding of, of something that falls on you and you're able to, you know, take it off of you. So it's no longer a burden. You're able to lift it steadfastly off of you. So he says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect. The word here is blameless and complete. The word there is wholeness, lacking in nothing. And again, that word nothing in Greek carries the idea of being fully perfected in every aspect. And the reason why I break down the Greek is so we can fully understand, again, as best we can in our limited scope here on earth, exactly what James is laying out here when he's telling us to consider, to evaluate our joy. So let's break this particular passage down if we can. So the first thing here that we have to understand is that when James going back to how we are to count it joy when we go through various trials, he isn't saying that Christians are to take pleasure in pain and suffering. It's not what he's saying at all. I mean, that'd be morbid, wouldn't it be? That would be absolutely reckless for James and really uh, not sympathetic to when people do go through genuine suffering and be callous about it. No, he's saying... We need to discover, my friends, a deeper sense of peace. We need to look at the assurance that we have in the midst of this trial and know that God is there. God is faithful. You know, on your own time, you can reflect and see what Peter said when we were to go through trials, what trials do in our lives in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-8. through 8. Matter of fact, let me give you another passage, what Jesus himself said. He says, blessed are you when others revile you. Blessed are me when I'm made fun of, when people put me down. And not only that, but he says, blessed are you when others persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, Jesus says, and be glad. Why? Here's the answer. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when you go back and see what James means when he says to consider it all joy when you go into these trials, you're thinking, okay, well, what are these trials? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the trials are various different kinds. The Greek word here is parasmois, if I'm saying that correctly, and it has different levels. Yes, at times it refers to as temptation or testing or in this case, a trial. And so what it means though, in context of how James is using it is that word trial, that is, it means to learn the character or the quality of a person by putting them through extensive testing or examination. And you and I can think about a ton of different professions, the Navy SEALs, doctors, examination when people are are you know going to defend their dissertation or something you're going to test them to see if they actually know what they should know before they're before they you know can can re receive a certificate or to graduate 
and but this is a deeper understanding because in sense those things are, le are at a level of knowledge and physical ability and stamina this has to do with character this has to do with the quality of a person and it's actually this trial that that you know here james is referring to that can do that that can reveal that because when he says there are various kinds he's saying again all shapes inside they could be they could be persecutions they could be conflicts they could be moral temptation they could be a loss it could be a hardship it could be like job in job chapter 1 7 through 22 with what he had to go through and losing a lot of you know his family members and his livelihood it could be in second corinthians chapter 1 8 and 10 about the sorrows in, in the conflict that Paul went through, particularly in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, when he talked about the trials that he faced, being an apostle through his travels to, to spread the gospel. Again, it could be a myriad of things. It could be a myriad of things. But at the core of these, of these trials is character. And that's the point he's saying is, what does your character look like? So when I'm asking the question, how mature is your faith? It's meaning what kind of man or woman are you? Not, not, not your identity in Christ because we know that we're made in the image of God. And as Christians, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but saying as a man and woman, how do you fear God? Because you and I know that's the beginning of wisdom. Do you fear him more than you fear what other people think about you? And so here now in verse three, James says, for you know that the testing Again, doikamian, you know that the approval, you know that the genuineness of your faith. Again, so when you're talking about genuine faith, that matches the character. The character matches the genuineness of that person's faith. You and I know when someone upholds to certain doctrine and they believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they believe that Jesus Christ will come again. They believe in the second coming. They believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They believe all those things. They believe in the infallibility of Scripture. They believe in that, 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 you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, a monogamous relationship for life, okay? And they believe that homosexuality is a sin, but they love people that are broken, and marginalized and downtrodden they're there to serve and they they believe in the ten commandments they believe in all these things but let's say they believe all those things but the man or woman are cheating on their spouse or they're addicted to drugs or they're alcoholics so you see the the, the genuineness of their faith is in christ and doctrinally they're sound but then the character does not match the genuineness of that faith and so what, when we go through the book of James, you guys, that is so important because those are not different. They're hand in hand together. Because notice now what James does here when he says that when you're, you, you're, are being, when you're being tested, he says, we know that the testing of what? Specifically your faith, okay? So you and I as Christians, sometimes when we're going through a trial, Again, it's specifically about your faith. Sometimes we take it personally and what that's going to do in my life or how it's going to affect my life and maybe whatever progress um, or lack thereof will happen as a result of this trial. No, what we have to look at is saying, God, 
how is my faith being tested right now? Because this is so important. Because he says, for you know that the testing, the genuineness, the approval of your faith produces, creates steadfastness. Remember I told you, tenacity to stand up against a difficulty. So the term that James uses for testing is applied to authenticating genuine coins. Isn't that amazing? So what he's saying is, actually trials, we should rejoice because it reveals so much. It reveals so much. Painful. A lot of discomfort, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fears. Again, various kinds, different shapes and sizes. So sometimes it causes more pain in the heart, causes more anxiety, causes more discouragement, can cause more discomfort, uh, maybe in a physical sense. Maybe it's prolonging. Maybe this trial just doesn't ever seem to let up. And so it, it becomes you know, a challenging out of itself, which can cause maybe more trials, right? Sometimes one trial um, can produce other trials because what it does is, again, it's revealing your faith. So I remember when I lost my brother, it caused me to look at my life as a father because my older brother was a father of five and thinking, what would that do to my family if they lost me? Well, I can relate because I, I know to a certain extent because I lost my mom. So I was a child who lost a parent. And you don't really ever get over that. But I will say that my faith is so much stronger. I've learned about being, you know, what, what it means to be steadfast, to stand up in the midst of difficulty, not in my own strength. I tried that and I failed miserably. But I've learned of how God can authenticate someone and it comes through testing. So here, James is using this terminology of looking at the genuineness, the authenticity of a coin, not, not fake money, but real money, because that's the purpose of what a trial does in our lives. And that's how we can count a joy because God is going to do a great work. We don't know how he's going to do it. I still look back and I'm sure you can relate to this and many of you guys are probably say the same. I look back at the trials that I've gone through in life and thinking, how on earth did God get me through that? How on earth did I prevail through that? And so here, the purpose of, of the trial is to refine, it's to mature, it's to establish a stronger faith in your Christian walk. And that's why we rejoice. Even when we look back and say that trial took someone that I love from this world and I won't see them until I, I'm in heaven. But I rejoice because I have an eternal perspective because God is developing a, uh, a character in my life that's going to be reflective of Christ. So therefore, my friends, though trials are extremely difficult, a Christian can rejoice in the midst of them because they are developing godly character in great measure. And see, that's the thing, my friends, when we endure trials, we don't sit and pray, say, God, will you bring a just horrific trial in my life and, and then use that trial to cause me to grow closer to you? No, we tend to pray for those blessings. God, help me to love you more and listen to a hill song that really draws me closer to the Lord. And I, I, I prefer that. 
I don't want to have to go through loss in order to gain Christ more in my life. But that's why you guys, what's so amazing is he notices says it creates, when your faith is refined like that, what does it create? It creates steadfastness. And notice this is interesting. That's the first adjective that Paul, or excuse me, that James puts in here. And what it means is to have patience, to have endurance under immense pressure. I mean, when you and I look at certain athletes who endure through things, or we look at a, a vet whose arm or leg, or, you know, lost many limbs because of a landmine or something happened, an IED and stuff, and, and, and they're recovering through it. I mean, they'll never be the same, but you just see this determination, this resilience. I mean, that's why we like story, stories like, you know, uh, Rudy, you know, when you, when you have the Cinderella stories, when someone comes from humble beginnings, they become something great, when all odds were against them and they overcame the odds. We like those kind of stories. We like the triumph that takes place in the, in the return of the King and the Lord of the Rings series. That gives us hope. And that's what James is saying here. And he says here in verse four now, and let, but that's not, that's not, it's not through. It's not just that you gain patience and endurance through immense pressure, but let steadfastness, he says, have its full effect. So that's, so, so let's, let's understand what James is saying. That's not just the limitations of steadfastness. There's so much more to steadfastness because he says, let it have its full effect. So it's not just that you endure through something that's pretty intense, but notice this is that you may be perfect. So it's not just being strong, you guys, it's being complete, it's being whole, lacking nothing. The Christian who perseveres through hardship, that is adversity, affliction. When you and I persevere, when our character is refined, the Bible says here, according to James, that we will cultivate a trust in God and, a and, and we will develop a strength that will supply you and me everything we need. This is something that Jesus, Peter, and Paul all talked about in developing perseverance and being complete and being whole, lacking nothing, being perfect in every aspect. You know, and before I read those verses from James, Peter, and Paul, if you look at it, it sounded like a band when I just said that, it's funny. But when you look at it, my friends, we tend, when we go through trials, like I said, it, we take it personally and we neglect to see how our faith can be refined through this to build character, steadfastness, and be complete. So I hope just even as we end this podcast, based on scripture and scripture alone, that you start seeing when something does happen in your life and you're and you're crying, and you're, you're lonely, and you're desperate, and you're in agony, or whatever it may be, or you have this infirmity or this affliction, and you've been praying for healing, and it's just not going away, and you lost a dear person because of, you know, an argument that happened, or you didn't get, you know, that job that you're hoping for, or your, your marriage is on, is on the brink of, of, of destruction, you're crying out to God, and you feel like he just does not hear you. Remember, to count it all joy because what God is saying is, look, he doesn't want to see you in, in pain. He doesn't. God doesn't find pleasure in you hurting, but he wants you to know that he's there, right there with you to bring you comfort, to bring you aid, to make you stronger through this. Because in Matthew 10, verse 22, Jesus said, and you will be hated by all for my namesake. 
But the one who endures, endures to the end, will be saved. So it is possible, my friends, when you're outnumbered, but God says you'll prevail. In, in Romans chapter 5, 3 and 4, Paul writes, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the testing, or excuse me, so that the tested, notice, genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to what? To result in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says about going through trials in our lives. The IVB, the IVP New Testament commentary series says this, and I'll close with this. Quote, James invites you to envision yourself in the state of spiritual maturity, rid of the jealousy or laziness or impulsiveness or impatience or bitterness or self-pity or selfishness that now mars the wholeness of your fellowship with God and the completeness of your spirituality. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you long to be fully the person God desires you to be? If so, then you now have the full reason for considering it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Trials can be opportunities for testing to develop you in the perseverance which when it finishes its work, will leave you mature in Christ. For those who have set their hearts on becoming Christ-like, this is wonderful reason for pure joy, end quote. And so my friends, as we conclude today, when we ask the question, how mature is your faith? One way that you can measure it is how you endure through trials. If in fact you are, are you persevering? Are you being steadfast? When you've gone through particular hardship, do you get bitter or do you become better because you become more like Christ? So I pray that as we've looked at James chapter one, one through four, that hopefully this has opened your eyes to get a better understanding of finding joy in the midst of some hardship because God is using whatever you're going through, my friends, to be in the midst of that difficulty. Just like when Jonah was in the whale, just like when Elijah was fleeing from Jezebel and he's crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, why have you done this to me? And he brought him an angel. Or when the, when the Hebrews were complaining and God brought a manna from heaven because they're complaining about being hungry. Or when, when before all that, remember, when Pharaoh was coming with his armies and Moses parted, check this out. I got this hoodie on right now called the Red, you know, the Red Sea. And he did this miracle. And they're thinking, what on earth? What is going on here? God says, I got this. You have to trust me. And that's what he's saying to you right now. You have to trust him. Don't just get bitter and start complaining. But know that God is doing a perfect work in your life. And to rejoice in the midst of your sufferings because you know that it's producing something in your life that you need. You may not want it at the time, 
but you have to trust God because God's going to give you what you need to get through it. Not on your, not your own, you know, vices, not through your own strength, but in the power of the Lord. So my friends, there you have it. That is the opening of the book of James. I want to thank you guys for taking this time to study God's word. Again, check out standstrongministries.org. If you have any questions or prayer requests, you can send uh, us here at Stand Strong Ministries an email. I would love to receive that and to pray over you or to answer any questions you have. You can email us at info at standstrongministries.org. And until next time, my friends, keep standing strong in the Lord. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.